What is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I just wanted to remind you that if you are a podcast listener to the Classic Metal Show or Aftershocks or the Shockwave Skull Sessions, which you all should be, you can now get all three in one location. That's right, one location. It is on the CMS Podcast Network. That's right. Just go to anchor.fm slash CMSPN, as in CMS Podcast Network. Just go there. Make sure you subscribe. No matter which platform you're using, there's links to all of them there, whether it's Apple or Pocket Casts or Breaker or CastBox or whatever. Whatever you use, it is there. So get yourself subscribed to the CMS Podcast Network, and you will get three, I mean three, great shows all in one location. So do it today. Subscribe to the CMS Podcast Network. That is anchor.fm slash CMSPN. Do it! Welcome back to Aftershocks here at AftershocksTV.com. And on with us today to talk about their great new record, We're the Bastards. It is uh, bassist Tyler Campbell, oh, one of the bastards himself, from Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. So, uh, Tyler, how are you doing, man? Oh, yes, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've had a good couple of cups of tea in me now. I've got them all caffeined up and uh, ready to go. How are you? I'm good, man. It's it's definitely good to talk to you. And like I said to you right before we started, man, it is great to get new music from you guys, man. It, it's you guys are one of those bands. I I think maybe some people missed because they just thought, okay, well, it's Phil Campbell, it's Motorhead, it's going to be a Motorhead rip type of a thing, yeah. and it's just not. Anybody that's heard it, that's listened to the EP or to the first record will certainly know that it's not that. And certainly you guys really established yourself even further with where the bastards been. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think there's always going to be like trepidation where people will just, cause obviously we don't try to sound like Motorhead, but sure. obviously Phil the guitarist in Motorhead for 30 years. So naturally some riffs might sound a bit like it. So I think some people are expecting like a, a Lemmy vocalist to like, right. And they're just better to hear Lemmy and some people just can't get into it. That's obviously totally fair. But uh, I think with the difference with this album and the last album, I think, we, yeah, like you said, I think we have naturally progressed. And I think the, the main thing was with Age of Absurdity, I think we released the song Dark Days, which was like a slower, bluesier number and was probably our most out there experimental song. We didn't know where, how it was going to go down. Sure. Uh, but it ended up being our most like popular songs we play live i think it's got our, our most views on youtube so once we knew that song went down so well we knew we could experiment a bit more on this song where you got we got songs like born to rome and the desert song which are kind of like a similar vein so yeah i think it's a nice good selection of songs that is quite varied to an extent but i don't think anything sounds too out of place and yeah i just can't wait to, for the the world to hear it on november 13th no, no question. Now, I, you know, obviously with, um, with you and your brothers and, and obviously Phil Campbell, you know, it, it's got the, the family thing to it. And I really think that, uh, the part that gets ignored is, is your vocalist, obviously. I mean, he yeah. is 
very dynamic on his own on his own merits, you know. And and like you said, no, there's no Lemmy mistaking with no. him. But Neil's got a he's just got you know a very unique but welcoming sound, I guess for for the kind of rock and roll that you guys do. It's like that voice that people kind of gravitate to. Is that what you've been experiencing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, we've not known Neil for years, so he was in basically when we were all younger, well, we still are in various bands, me and my brothers, and we used to tour with Neil's old band, Dopamine, and okay. uh, Attack Attack. A lot of people get confused because there was a UK Attack Attack and an American Attack Attack. Right. So I think the American Attack Attack, they're kind of a bit more screaming, so uh, I think they're a bit different than Neil. Some of them might be expecting a screamer, but it's not. But uh yeah, Neil's got a very dynamic uh, like voice, and I think uh, he proves it live on record. I think the one thing with our band, we've kind of got like three different generations of people. We've got my dad from that classic rock like style from when he's brought up on the 60s and 70s. Then Todd and Neil were kind of brought up on the grunge era, so their favourite bands were like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Right. And then I think me and... Dane were kind of a bit younger then, but I think that's why it's good. We have like this big melting pot of influences and styles, and I think that's how our music comes out as it is. You might hear a bit like a Led Zeppelin hook with like a Pearl Jamish like vocalish melody over it, and uh, yeah, I think it's cool how it, it all works out in the end. No doubt. Now, now you said you're the youngest. You know what were you? What were you listening to? Were were you like? Were you corn guy or were you or were you listening to the older stuff? Yeah. What, what was it that brought you in? So uh, I think what literally my first concert when I was like five was Motorhead, I think. So okay. when I was like eight or nine, when we saw like school discos and it was just like Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls. And like, what, why is no one listening to like Metallica or Joe Satriani and stuff? So yeah, I was Joe Satriani, Metallica. But then what was good when I got like 10 to 11, when new metal came in, more of my friends of my age were getting into that music then. Uh, before that, no one was oh, I suppose we not expecting a lot of seven-year-olds to listen to Metallica and stuff. But it was good to get, I think everyone listened to like Limp Bizkit, Korn, like System of a Down. And then that crossed over like pop punk, like Blink-182, Sum 41. I liked it all back then and I still listen to a lot of it now. But uh, yeah, I think one good thing. I can say is I'm glad I was brought up in a rock family as opposed to ended up being like a Spice Girls fanboy for life, which <laughs> could have happened. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Although somehow, somehow, and again, this is outsider doesn't know anything. I, I imagine throwing on a Limp Biscuit record in your house did not go over real well. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't think my dad was never a massive fan. No offense to that. I think it's just that era, you know, there's, and new right, style, of, right. but it happens in every generation. Every 10, 15 years, there's a new style of music, and it comes out. But I think over the years, he's gone to respect all those types of artists over the years. And yeah, I think it's cool. It's always nice to hear something fresh and new. And at the time, there's nothing, we never heard anything like it before. Sure, definitely, man. Well, well, Tyler, let's talk about We're the Bastards, which is what we're here to talk about. As I said, I love it. I, I think it's oh, fantastic. Cool. And one of the things that I think really stands out as somebody that has been following along since the since the beginning, since the EP yes. came came out, cool. is that you guys 
I, I don't want to say your sound has changed. I think it has matured some over the yeah. years, but I don't think anybody would be put off if they listened to the first record or, or this one. But yeah. what I think you guys have learned over the course of the EP and now the two albums, the two full lengths, is you've really learned how to capture your sound. This this one, We're the Bastards, is by far the biggest sound that you guys have captured. And it's it's arguably the most dynamic. Um, did do you guys feel like you've learned to capture what you're doing better? I think so. I think yeah, we're all songwriters because we've all been in different bands and stuff. And I suppose when we write an EP, we're just getting used to like writing songs together. Then you see with the album, we're getting more used to it. And then I think, like I said earlier, with like dark days, and we knew we could explore our horizons a bit more. And yeah, my, my dad always says, you know, you just write a good song is a good song at the end of the day. So no matter what style, that has a catchy riff. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It's a good hook or whatever. And yeah, I think it is that, that, that thing they say, that difficult second album, do they? Uh, but I don't. I think I was a bit slightly worried. Well, I wouldn't say worried. Uh, I think we we were happy with how good Age of Absurdity was for a debut album. So mm -hmm. uh, before writing uh, We're the Bastards, my thought did have a slight thought in my back of the head. It's like, oh, how are we going to be able to follow this up, or is it going to be a like, disappointing second album? But I think after I did the first mixes of the album, uh, and I was like, yeah, this does sound banging. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this, the songs are good. We, we I think. We got there, and uh, yeah, I think it is, it is exactly how you say it is. I think it was, we've all matured as, as co-songwriters in uh, and got used to it ourselves, and yeah, I think there's a great collection of hard rock songs. Absolutely. Now, now I read in the press, and you can tell me if the press is just being the press or not, but <laughs> I, I, I read that this thing was completely written and recorded Pand through the pandemic through the beginnings of the pandemic is that true and if that is true was that did that make it much more difficult to put together you know a yeah. such a good record but b such an yeah. up record because it's definitely not depressed like everybody seems no. to be through the pandemic it's half true so we we wrote uh, like january and february in rehearsals okay and then i think yeah we went into full lockdown march 17th i think in the uk Okay. And we already booked the studio time with Todd to record in April. And obviously social distancing and stuff was very serious back then. So the recording process was definitely different because I recorded my bass in the live room with just Todd in the other room. I was on like Skype with my laptop and yeah, I just recorded in the, nowhere else in the band was in the room. So we all did our, Dane did the drums on his own, whereas we usually were all there together. So that is, I say, you've got his pros and his cons. So, the the cons are where, well, the cons, which could be a pro, is like it's sometimes it's good to have all the rest of the band there and they can pitch in ideas or give you feedback whilst you're tracking your individual part. So, that was different. But then, I suppose at the same time, it was good just being your own headspace and not have any other distractions and just concentrate on recording your instrument. So, uh, yeah, I think it was definitely different, and it was also a bit more interesting because, like, I, I didn't hear the drums until I went in and tracked my bass, and then I didn't hear the guitars until I don't know. Took as Todd recorded it, he, he'd send us mono mixes like at the end of two weeks or whatever. So it was different here, and I'm in different stages and stuff.
But it was an interesting way of doing it. Uh, but I didn't think, we don't think we came over, there wasn't any major problem. So to say if we've got, God forbid, we're in a similar thing next year, <laughs> right. like, we'd have no worries about bashing out another album and sure. getting top of the recorder again. So yeah, fingers crossed next year. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad I get some new music out there and wait, can't wait for the people to hear. Sure. Now, do you do you think that it's gonna that the sound of the songs will change a little bit in the live setting just because you didn't record and write, you know, in a room together? Where, you know, obviously when you play live, you take cues from the drummer and the guitar player and the singer and everything. Where on this, you kind of were on your own island. Do you think the music will kind of adjust a little bit when you start playing live? I think so for one song or two. I, I can't remember right now, but there was a part where we were writing because yeah, we we still wrote the album with together. Sure. But I think it was one we had like one idea where we could imagine like we do a breakdown by it and get a crowd to sing. Like uh, when we on the first album with uh, "Get on Your Knees," we like break down. I just meet me at the guitar and the drums doing that and. Neil gets like a sing along, like uh, call and response to happen. Mm. Get on your knees, get on your knees. And like, right. we had that idea when writing a song. I was like, oh, this would be a cool live bit for the for when we play live. So, yeah, there's definitely one or two bits where we thought that would could sound good in a live set and it would change it up a bit. Well, we always try to come up with nice ideas to get the crowd involved. So, yeah, hopefully, I just want to go out and play a gig now. So, uh, <laughs> Right. We haven't played a, a gig all year. Our last tour was in the start of December, and we were supposed to play some shows with Michael Schenker in April in the UK. And obviously, that's all been postponed now. So, yeah, it's going to be an entire year of not playing any concerts for us. So, yeah, it was a big change. Well, I, I wanted to go back a, a few years because you guys obviously, as a brand new band, had, you know, the opportunity of, of a lifetime with the going out and doing some shows with guns and roses in oh, the, yeah. in the stadium <laughs> environment. I, yeah. I I'm imagining maybe not for your dad, but I'm imagining for the rest of you, at least that first one with, you know, 60,000 people or whatever, that that yeah. had to be unbelievably nerve wracking, man. How was that to go out there and play such a big show as such a young band? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we couldn't believe it really. Cause I remember I was like, I'm like the day-to-day -day manager for the band. So okay. I remember our booking agent at the time, like forwarding, just forwarding the dates. All right, this is where I got panned for festivals next year. And I was a new band, like you say. And I was like reading it. And I was like, wait a minute. It says four shows with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> and it didn't like say, guys, I've just got you four dates with Guns N' Roses. Here's a list of 10 dates. So yeah, four dates with Guns N' Roses. So I, I screenshotted the email, sent it in our WhatsApp group. Neil straight away called me and thought I was joking and it was a lie. It was like, are you playing a practical joke? And he was like, no, this is serious. So that was unbelievable. Yeah, and I think the first show was in like a big soccer stadium in Switzerland. And yeah, I think the first show was crazy as it was, but I'm very nerve-wracking. But it was fine. It was great. Well, it was more than fine. It was amazing. But then the second show, which was... I thought usually, yeah, the first show you get over and done with, fine. The second show is, you know, it goes back to normal. But the second show was in a 
an old Formula One racetrack in Imola in Italy, and it was like a hundred thousand people there. <laughs> and they, oh, for some reason, they opened the doors at ten o'clock in the morning, and we were the first band on at half past five. Oh wow! And it was one of the hottest days I've, I can imagine. So by the time we were about to go on stage, the crowd was just so up for it, right. and it was just one of the the best days ever. And then we kind of, I think we were kind of bricking it just before. But after the first song, we kind of just got into our element then. I think after we nailed our show, and then the other two shows were were fine then. It was like no nerves whatsoever. But yeah, unbelievable experience I'll never forget. Sure. Now, I, I have to ask the question and, you know, be honest on this. After those gigs, when you went back and played the first time you played a, a club or something, was it just totally a bummer to be in front of like, 200 or 500 people instead of a hundred thousand um i wouldn't say it was a bummer no but it's quite funny you say that because when when we're not touring and gigging i, I have like a, a little pub band i got a singer and sometimes we just do acoustic gigs so literally some, some weekends i'm doing like major festivals and we, we do like a big crowd shot on the and then I, i'd fly back i remember once yeah i had a fly back i got to my local pub half hour before we do on stage okay and i just played plays in front of like 20 people for like 50 pound or whatever <laughs> it's, it's fun and my singer is always like uh oh i can't believe it oh another one was uh yeah again did a weekend of like big festivals came back and we played outdoors in like my friend's uh office party it was like a mini festival but it was like right. this, kids and a little baby swimming pool and like a burger van and a bouncy castle and literally just before we were playing the first song he goes you played to seventy thousand people yesterday and right here's sex on fire by kings of leon and then we're just going to a bunch of basic covers then so it's quite it's fun i enjoy all sorts as long as i'm playing music i don't mind what environment it's all just good fun Exactly. There's there's worse careers you could have, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no except, except our government's telling us we have to retrain because our jobs are inviolable at the moment. But uh, yeah, that's uh, another story. <laughs> with any luck, that's going to pass, though. But yeah, fingers crossed. Well, well, Tyler, I, I, you know, obviously the, I, I guess the the initial lure, the initial sell of the band was that you guys are all family, with the exception of Neil. But the, yeah. that you guys are all family. Y'all grew up together. Your dad's obviously legendary in his own right, you know, with, with the mighty. Yeah. I'm curious for you now that you've been through, you know, a couple of records, a few records and some touring and whatnot. What is different touring with your dad as opposed to prior to touring with your dad when he was just your dad? You know, has has your perception of him changed, or or did were you raised enough in it that you knew what was coming, or what? Uh, I think it's a bit different now because he's definitely chilled out a lot. Like he doesn't drink anymore for the last few years. Sure. So mainly, uh, and I I sometimes tour manage. So when when we can't afford a tour manager or we're just too cheap to do one, <laughs> I get that job. I don't mind. Like, yeah, sometimes we can afford it, sometimes we can't. But yeah, so it's mainly me just looking after him, telling him where the toilets are, telling him where food is, trying to work out how the DVD player works on the tour bus. Right. Uh, 
it's pretty chilled out. So basically, yeah, after each show, we we chill in the back lounge. We have our slippers and pajamas on. And you, you want me to tell you more interesting stuff that happens? <laughs> the, the truth is, these days there isn't. We just watch some films and DVDs and stuff. Uh, sometimes I might, if we have a day off, I'll go to the local pub or bar with some of the crew and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think tour. It, I think after Motorhead, it took him a while to like get used to and adjust to the, you know, playing the smaller venues, so like smaller mm-hmm. crowds, and obviously not being as glamorous per se. Because like, if even if we're doing festivals, sometimes we say it's like a, a festival four hours in the UK down the road. We gotta go. We're in a van, or we gotta do a weekend in a van. So right. Motorhead wouldn't have done that back in the day, but I think he's used to it now and it's great so uh yeah it's just it's, it's good fun we won't change it for the world uh we have some problems every now and then as all bands do on the road like uh but it, it's fun getting like i like to problem solve and figure out logistics so hence sure. why it's poor managed sometimes but yeah i think at the end of the day is i just can't wait to get back on the road and experience here again Sure. Do do you guys solve problems as a band, or do you solve problems like brothers? Um, maybe a bit of both. Okay. So the thing with, but I think it's five. Obviously, it's five of us in the band. So say if like two say yes and two say no, or either or, or like somebody's on the fence, and then the executive decision will go down to my dad. It's like right, dad, you decide, and then. It'll be like it'll just be like oh yeah fair enough then sometimes you win some you lose some right so it's kind of good but i can never imagine being in a band when you're even numbers i kind of I don't understand how people will come to any agreement i don't know how that works not good maths <laughs> right <laughs> well tyler you know we've, we've been dancing around a little bit and obviously we're talking about the pandemic has just kind of fucked everything you know yes. you know it i know it it's a mess it's a mess for bands um Let's just go with the expectation that the pandemic's going to lighten up and governments are going to say that you can tour again. Yeah. The thought process is is that it's really going to be hard to get gigs, especially for us for a younger band like yours. You yeah. know, because every band in the world is going to be looking for the looking to get out on tour all at the same time, which you know has never happened before you know there's always that kind of cycle and everybody's on different cycles to where yeah, yeah. rooms are available do you worry that that when everything opens up that it might be difficult to put together you know touring i think basically this year all our dates we've we planned ahead because we assumed nothing is going to happen this year so we luckily enough can reschedule everything ahead of time so sure. our uk tour was supposed to be this november we've rescheduled the next november scandinavia was supposed to be september rescheduled next september i'd say 80 percent of the festivals have rescheduled for next summer but like some festivals were it's going to be their first year mm. and when we've tried to reschedule they said they can't even afford to sure they've lost so much money they can't do it next year so unfortunately for them those shows aren't going to happen but yeah uh we got We've booked a German headline tour for April, just just so again because we don't want to like come to like January and everything's back to normal, and then everyone's looking for those venues that are available. Right. So we've just we've just gone and booked them ahead, and then I imagine if they don't happen, we'll we'll look at it in January, and book them for the following April, and 
So luckily enough, we're just kind of smart enough to just book everything a year or two in advance because I don't know, it's just hard to see anything happening till, I don't know, next summer yeah, earliest, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, I know. It, it's crazy. And, you know, one of the things that I've been, you know, obviously doing this, I talked to a million bands and, and I, I pay, I've been paying attention to how some countries are making it a little easier to, to play shows than others. And yeah. which on one hand, that's great that you can go and play some places yeah. on the other hand, especially touring, you know, especially touring outside of your home country, that's going to be a nightmare if you can play Germany, but not, I don't know, yeah, yeah. France or wherever, you know, or Norway or, you yeah. know, is, is that into account Brexit? Yeah. I, I mean, do, <laughs> do you worry, do you as a, um, a, as a musician, do you worry that just being able to route something is going to make it extremely hard to play anywhere, but at home? I think, yeah, I think I kind of agree with you. Like, it was going to be tough anyway, like post-Brexit, with because basically you'll have to, like, pay for all tax on merch before you even make money on the merch. And a lot of bands, right. they basically, yeah, they, they want 10% of the T-shirts you're taking into the next country. And you, you haven't even got that money yet because you haven't sold them. So a lot of these upcoming bands, they're not going to be able to tour anyway, besides their own country. And obviously with a pandemic, you know, it's made things twice as hard well more than twice as hard so it's hard there's a lot of things like in wales we have a, a different government to like england and you is a very strange political system but so whereas like i said i played in pubs and stuff in england for ages you've been able to play like in pubs outdoors and indoors if it's socially distant but in, in wales i haven't even been able to play outdoors in a pub like in the summertime so sure the, but then I saw yesterday there was a big concert in London Palladium where it was one metre social distancing and everyone had to wear masks. So I think every country's doing things differently. I think I've seen Germany, I, I would assume, of course, Germany's better at doing it than every other country. They seem to be, be doing a lot of socially distanced concerts where it's like financially viable on everyone involved and I've seen like, like Doro Pesh, she's done a lot of uh, social sure. distance concerts and like her old car parks and stuff. Mm-hmm. People are doing drive throughs. Uh, so, yeah, I think each country is handling it differently. But I don't know, yeah, it's definitely going to be more difficult. That's for sure. Sure. Do you guys have any interest in doing drive in concerts or live stream concerts or any of that kind of stuff? I personally, I th- I'd, be, I'd be happy to do. Me, I would be happy to do both, but I'm slightly worried. I think it's just safety, everyone's safety. And I think, especially because my dad, he's in like a, a slightly vulnerable bracket compared sure. to like, you know, young. So we've got to think of his health as well. So I think I wouldn't, because the UK announced a lot of big UK drive through concerts and they all got polled. Live Nation did them. And within a month before, they all got cancelled i don't know whether it was due to low ticket sales or due to i don't know safety precautions but yeah i wouldn't I, I like the idea of people had the option like i don't think right. personally i would have gone to driven but i think it was great to get like people in like uh, touring crews and techs and get that all of them back to work and stuff sure. so 
I think is great uh, on that side anyway. No question. Well, Tyler, obviously the, the new album is called We're the Bastards. It's out on November 13th. Um, I personally advise everybody to get it. It is, if you like just straight up rock and roll, if you like rock and roll that you drink like two to four shots with, that's what <laughs> I would call this. It's not a single yes. shot one, and it's not just a beer band. You guys really like, <laughs> need a couple of shots to really get the get the blood the blood flowing, but it's a great record. I I suggest everybody get it. And Tyler, where should people go online to keep up with you guys? And, you know, once touring starts, find out where you're playing and all that good stuff. Yeah. So if you go to philcampbell.net, that's okay. a pretty straightforward one. You got all our tour dates on there. And then you've got all the links to our, our Facebook and our merch store. And you can pre order the album straight from our website. So I just advise everyone to go there. And yeah, I hope everyone enjoys the album. And I'm very happy that you like it. And I hope more people do too. <laughs> no question well tyler thanks so much for checking in and everybody for watching right here on aftershocks thanks for having me thanks for listening to aftershocks for more episodes go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com visit us on our facebook instagram and twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast and be sure to subscribe listen to and review all episodes on youtube spotify apple podcasts and all other podcast platforms for your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. <laughs>